The Bible Study Podcast, episode 265. Today, the Bible Study Podcast concludes the study of 2 Samuel. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We are indeed wrapping up 2 Samuel today, and I, for one, am glad. It is hard to pronounce these names, as I've complained other times. David enrolls the fighting men. Again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go and take a census of Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab and the army commanders with him, Go throughout the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and enroll the fighting men so that I may know how many there are. But Joab replied to the king, May the Lord your God multiply the troops a hundred times over, and may the eyes of my lord the king see it. But why does my lord the king want to do such a thing? The king's word, however, overruled Joab and the army commanders, so they left the presence of the king to enroll the fighting men of Israel. After crossing the Jordan, they camped near Aror, south of the town in the gorge, and they went through Gad and on to Jazer. They went to Gilead in the region of Tatim Hodchi, and on to the Don John and round toward Sidon. Then they went toward the fortress of Tyre and all the towns around the Hivites and the Canaanites. Finally, they went on to Beersheba in the Negev of Judah. After they had gone through the entire land, they came back to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and twenty days. Joab reported the number of fighting men to the king. In Israel, there were 800,000 able-bodied men who could handle a sword, and in Judah, 500,000. David was conscience-stricken after he had counted the fighting men, and he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. Now, Lord, I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a very foolish thing. Before David got up the next morning, the word of the Lord had come to Gad the prophet, David's seer. Go and tell David, this is what the Lord says. I'm giving you three options. Choose one of them for me to carry out against you. So Gad went to David and said to him, Shall there come on you three years of famine in your land, or three months of fleeing from your enemies while they pursue you, or three days of plague in your land? Now then, think it over and decide how I should answer the one who sent me. David said to Gad, I am in deep distress. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great, but do not let me fall into human hands. And so the Lord sent a plague on Israel from that morning until the end of the time designated, and 70,000 of the people from Dan to Beersheba died. When the angel stretched out his hand to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord relented concerning the disaster and said to the angel, who is afflicting the people, enough. Withdraw your hand. The angel of the Lord was at the threshing floor of Arunah, the Jebusite. When David saw the angel was striking down the people, he said to the Lord, I have sinned. I, the shepherd, have done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall on me and my family. So this is a complicated story and not obvious at first, I think, what's going on. David is incited, it says, from the Lord to go do something that seems relatively simple, and that's take a census. But we have to think about why the king, the king at the time, would take a census of the fighting men. And basically, at this point, what I think is going on is David is starting to put his confidence in the size of his army. Those of you who listened to the podcast for a long time may remember when we studied the judges and we studied some of the stories that every Christian should know. And one of the stories that we talked about was the story of Gideon. And Gideon was told to defeat the Midianites who had invaded the country. And he went out with, I think it was 10,000 men, but I'd have to look it up. And was told by God he had too many men. And God winnows down his army twice 
doing two different tests. First, just telling people who are afraid to go home. And second, not taking those who lap when they drink water at the river down from 10,000 to 300 men. And the reason why God did that is he wanted Gideon to understand that when they won the victory, it was God who won them the victory. I think what's going on here is that David, who now has over a million fighting men, is tempted at this point to think that that's where his strength lies, to think that that is his protection. This is probably a bit like us putting too much confidence in our bank account, in our retirement funds, in our job. It Basically, it's us forgetting that we rely on God, even if it's not clear that we rely on him from day to day. So David sins against God by doing this simple thing. And it's interesting that Joab tried to talk him out of it. Joab is at many times, I think here in Second Samuel, a good counselor to David, a very zealous counselor. And he does two interesting things. One is David says, go take a census. And Joab says, first to the army commanders, go do it. And then to David, why are you doing this? Why do you want to do such a thing? So he is obedient But he understands that this is a bad idea. And so he tries to talk David out of it and is unsuccessful. You know, may the Lord multiply the troops a hundred times over and may the eyes of my Lord King get to see it. Yeah, yes, things have gone very well for you. And yes, you're right. You've got a great big army. But why does it matter if God is fighting for you? It doesn't matter how big your army is. And don't get to the point where you think your resources are on what you will rely because they can all go away. David has lost this entire army, or almost this entire army, at least once when there's the rebellion of his son against him. So he should know that there is no reason to put confidence in the fact that this is a big or a small number. But he forgets, and unfortunately, because he is the shepherd, Israel and Judah pay the price, and they pay the price that basically David is asked to choose which of these three terrible things will happen and chooses the more terrible and more sudden and quickly over with plague that strikes. And then the last section, David builds an altar. On that day, Gad went to David and said to him, go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arunah, the Jebusite. So David went up as the Lord had commanded through Gad. When Arunah looked and saw the king and his officials coming towards him, he went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Arunah said, Why has the Lord the king come to his servant? To buy your threshing floor, David answered, so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Arunah said to David, Let my Lord the king take whatever he wishes and offer it up. Here are the oxen for burnt offerings, and here are the threshing sledges and ox yokes for the wood. Your majesty, Arunah, gives all this to the king. Arunah said to him, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king replied to Arunah, No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered his prayer on behalf of the land and the plague on Israel was stopped. So David goes to build an altar to stop the plague and he is offered all of this for free and he understands that that's not what God wants from him. The Bible says that to obey is better than sacrifice, but also God does understand that our faith does have a cost, and we should understand that as well, that 
David didn't want his faith to be so cheap. We understand why Arana does this. He wants to be in good with the king. He is grateful to the king. He wants the plague stopped, uh, among all the different reasons that he may have. But David understands that this is a price that he has to pay because this is his sin that started this. So we'll end this study here. I should say that uh, David actually hasn't died just yet. David actually will make Solomon king in the next chapter of this story, which is in First Kings, but we're not going to go there. David is very old by this point, and David's story is pretty much over here in Second Samuel. So let's look back here just for a few minutes at David's life. David, born, remember, a shepherd. David is born into a time when... There is no king in Israel. He is born while Saul is not yet king, I believe. And Samuel is the prophet and probably best thought as the last of the judges, although we don't find him in that book, but he's the prophet in Israel. And there is no king but God. And the people clamor for a king. They get Saul. Saul turns out to be not a horrible king, but not such a great king either because he's half-hearted. He's not fully bought into what does God want. And certainly he fights against God as God says, you're no longer to be king, but David will be king after you. And Saul definitely puts all of his effort into killing David for some time period so that that will not happen. Therefore, fighting against God. David is a good king who tries to do the right thing. He also screws up royally at some point. But we saw as we spent some time in his psalms, both last week as well as in some of the psalms we pulled out mid-study, that David has a heart of what does God want, and that David has days where he feels God's closeness and his comfort and his protection, and that he has days that he feels that God has abandoned him. We see into the heart of David, and David has a heart that keeps looking back to God and keeps looking back to his relationship to God. Again, he is not perfect, as we are not perfect, but the relationship with God is the first thing that he thinks of in the morning. And it's the first thing that motivates him and drives his days. And therefore, all of the kings, all of the subsequent kings in Israel will be measured with one measuring stick. And that is, how do they compare to David? They will all fall short, but that's the measuring stick by now on is, how do they compare to David? This imperfect but wonderful king who has a heart for God. And with that, we're going to end Second Samuel. Next episode, we'll be starting a study, I think a relatively short study, on the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like, is the phrase that you can look for in your Bible to see where we're going to be going. And then we'll follow on after that with what are the fundamentals of Christianity. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. If this is working out well for you, feel free to put a review in iTunes. A five-star review will help people find the show. And thanks so much for listening. Hello, this is Dr. Doug Grotheis, host of Truth Tribe, where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most. And we are not tribal since truth is for everyone. Please join me at the Truth Tribe as I discuss the reasons for Christian faith, the Christian worldview, and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app.